0: Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer
1: Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi.
0: Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and of course, all you curious individuals. And I say that with the utmost love and respect. Welcome back or welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. And in this episode, I have the great pleasure and distinction of talking to Heath Ramsey, our Senior Director of Product Management. How are you today, Heath?
1: I'm doing great, Chuck. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: It is a pleasure. Now, welcome to Breakpoint. Have you been on a podcast before, Heath? I just like asking.
1: I've, I've been <laughs> on a few podcasts before with uh, Suzanne Smith. Oh, I that's think, right. Sure. Uh, many years ago, uh, talking about performance analytics. And so <laughs> now I get to talk a, a bit about data in relation to the uh, development process, which is you know a topic near and dear to my heart.
0: You bet. But f- before we get into that, we like to learn a little bit about our guests. So Tell the listener a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a Leo. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, as Chuck mentioned, my name is Heath Ramsey. I'm in charge of what's called outbound product management for a platform, meaning I get to, to talk to people and evangelize our platform technology, including uh, App Engine, integration hub, uh, core platform capabilities, performance analytics, now intelligence. I actually cover a fairly wide range of things. Uh, my time at ServiceNow, I have just celebrated my eighth anniversary, so oh. I don't quite uh, outdo you, Chuck. I don't know that anybody ever really can.
0: Uh, there's about fifty people that outdo me at this point. Yeah,
1: you're you're <laughs> you're venerable in a in a good way, I think. Um, you know, so I, I bring a lot of history and a lot of uh, perspective, I think, to uh, the products that I cover right now because I, I am carrying the ServiceNow torch for a long time.
0: Now, full disclaimer. You and I have worked together before. You asked me to join your services enablement team back in early 2014, I think it was. It was about a year or so after you had started. Uh you were my boss for about a year. And uh both our careers have changed ever so slightly since then. And I'm really glad to have this opportunity to speak with you again.
1: Yeah, that was that was a fun time because I was like, there's this really awesome guy named Chuck who would do a fantastic job with respect to, you know, evangelizing and enablement, right? I mean, this is this is what you love doing. And and for us to be able to collaborate and work together and really be in each other's orbit, even though we haven't spent a whole lot of time on podcasts like this for, you know, seven, seven plus years <laughs> is awesome.
0: Yeah. I remember there was that, uh, what was it? A meetup or a, a fed ramp, a federal thing in DC. And Heath was sort of in the back evaluating at that point because <laughs> I was doing a presentation <laughs> and there was, there was no doubt in my mind what you were doing there. <laughs>
1: Hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty open and I don't I don't carry those, you know, ulterior motives back there very well. So
0: No, and you you've approached me a couple of more times to say, Hey, you want to be
1: on my team? I did. I'm like, (laughs) that's I I want that guy.
0: (laughs) Well, when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing?
1: That's a good question. So I, I try to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Uh, so I do a lot of working out. You and I were actually just talking about this before we hit the re- record button. Mm-hmm. So I, in the times of COVID, I've been trying to work out in my garage as much as I can to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Do do a bit of cooking. Um, I am a big fan of uh, sheet pan dinners these days because just throw it on a pan and it bakes in 30 minutes and you have a delicious, tasty, healthy meal. And um, I still, you know, in normal times, play sports, gaming, uh, Nintendo Switch, and the Zelda series is always going to be, you know, core to to my being. I try to play all the time and and can't wait for the new one that's going to be coming out in a few years if Nintendo is true to form.
0: They are continuing to push the envelope. They were quiet for a a long time until about uh, Pokemon Go came out. Yes. and. the, the writing was on the wall that it's, it's about time for another Nintendo revolution. So yep. yeah, they're, they're a good company to it. keep <laughs> invested in your portfolio.
1: No, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I absolutely love that series. I love how they keep, you know, reimagining themselves and doing it in a way that's engaging for the average person. You, you remember the, the, we, that whole motion controller, and they were mm-hmm. the, the first with that one as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the other platforms are fantastic. And some of the, the games that they have in them are, are mind boggling. But I, you know, I, I probably prefer things that are a little bit more accessible for me. And you, you don't have to learn a new life skill in order to be able to play the game. So,
0: <laughs> Well, speaking of new skills, you mentioned your experience with PA before. Let's get something for the listener here. What are mm-hmm. some key discoveries you made to help customers get maximum value?
1: That is the uh, yeah, sixty-four thousand dollars question for those of you who are old enough to remember that show. I actually don't remember that show. I just know the.
0: <laughs> I'm old enough. <laughs> I know
1: the, the meme or the 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 slogan from. I, I from remember
0: that. it before it was a sixty-four thousand dollars pyramid. <laughs> it was only like ten thousand dollars when it started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> little little amount of money. Um, no, the the things that we learn with performance analytics are are. Things that have carried forward very significantly in the the context of service now and honestly in the context of business outcome. And what we learned is that data data is king. I mean, Mm -hmm. your ability to drive business outcomes, your ability to drive digital transformation in the times that we live in is dependent upon the data. And you can create the best technical solution around anything, whether it's performance analytics and as we'll talk a little bit about predictive intelligence and machine learning and those pieces. But if you don't have the right data and you don't have the alignment to the business process and what it is that you're trying to achieve, it's just data. But when you have an opportunity to take that data and give it to people in a way that they're expecting and in a way that just drives illumination and, and insight for them, wow, you can get some amazing results. And for me, I, whenever I talked about performance analytics with my customers and, and with even other people inside of ServiceNow, you know, for me, the vision of data is that I'm, I'm able to do my job better so that I can get out of the office at five o'clock and go cook dinner with my family and have a good family evening. I can, I can get done with stuff and go do something that's more meaningful and fulfilling to me. And that may seem very aspirational. But I think that's what data can do for us. And if we think about it in that way, through all the things that we do, developing outcomes, everything else, I, I think we just get to a place where we make people's lives better.
0: It's really about turning data into information. Yeah. Is, is so you can process it, analyze it, and understand what your actions should be. Are exactly. we driving something faster? Are we driving something slower? Is it up? Is it down? And uh, if you don't have visibility into that, you really don't have any means to make an educated decision for it, um, and and a lot of that, from an implementer standpoint, comes from understanding what are those requirements, what are the yeah. outcomes, what are the desired outcomes. So, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I need this number on a report," I'm like, "Okay, what what understand what does that mean? What are what are we what are we doing with that information?" Uh, and and you know, it, that may seem a little excessive for you know, an average developer is just starting out, but it can really add value because that's where you could say, you know what, this isn't just a report thing that you want every week. Maybe it's something we need to track over time. Mm
1: -hmm. Like
0: we we do our webinars and, uh, you know, to say that, oh, this video has had 50,000 views doesn't mean anything to me because that video may have been out for eight years and accumulated all of that. When in yep. reality it wasn't the hottest video, it's just got a lot more views because it's it, you know, the the hottest one has only been out a week, but it's already up to five thousand views. Exactly. So it's it, you really gotta be able to see that data over time to make that yep. informed decision. That's where something like performance analytics comes in. Is there anything we should know about uh, setting that up for success?
1: Uh, <laughs> that's that's another it's another great point. So when, when we start thinking about data inside the ServiceNow platform, um, I think that you should think about it in terms of structured data and unstructured data. Mm-hmm. The, the, the more structure that you bring to your data and the process, the better off and better positioned you're going to be to be able to drive some of these insights. So as you're making choices about your tables and your data fields, and if you have the choice between a string... And a choice or a reference i mean this this may seem very simple but making that conscious decision to say this is going to be a choice or this is going to be a reference or you know it's going to be some type of structured data field gives you more of an opportunity to be able to pull push you know pull these different pieces of data together to create that information and that insight that you're talking about now on the unstructured data side we have things like predictive intelligence and NLU and ways to take some of that unstructured data and turn it into some level of structure at the same time. So it's it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, the key is making sure that you understand what the purpose of the data is mm-hmm. so that you can put it in the right place so that it can be materialized or used or leveraged in that manner somewhere else in the application.
0: Give us an example of, of the unstructured data. You mentioned NLU. Mm-hmm. How, would, how would you see that being implemented and manifested for the end user?
1: Oh, so, so I mean, NLU specifically, the, the biggest thing for the end user is being able to set up a chatbot with a conversational interface, right? So to be able to take uh, an end user's, whatever they typed in, we, we call it an utterance. And to be able to take that utterance and parse it into, well, what is their intent and what are the entities that make up that intent so that we can try to figure out what that person said and get them to the right place inside the system. So by being able to parse that unstructured data in a meaningful way, I can point them at a knowledge article. I can point them at a service catalog item. I, you know, I, I can actually use that information in order to be able to get them to where they need to be. Unstructured data is also important because if I am a worker, as an example, and I'm, I'm within the application trying to do something, if i'm linked to a series of knowledge articles we can use things like unstructured data and nlu to surface similar knowledge base articles we can get people to their answers more quickly because we're able to parse all of the language and ultimately determine what it is that they're looking for so these are all things on the back end as well that you know they're not necessarily and probably shouldn't be seen by the end user but they're all the the things that happen to make the experience better and richer using using the data, and in this case, using the machine.
0: Speaking of better experience, we've got a new feature in Quebec called AI Search, which was part of a recent acquisition. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: <laughs> yes, I can, I can tell you a, a little bit more about that. It's a, it's a feature that we're very excited uh, to release in Quebec, and it is an alternative to the standard search engine that we have in the platform. Uh, most of you are probably aware that our existing search engine is based on Zing, and you can do some tuning related to it, and you know be able to give people a good experience. What AI search does uh, at its core is that we apply the machine learning technologies and NLU and parsing of information. And with the AI search engine, when you type it in, you, you type in your, your search, mm-hmm. instead of going through the, the normal channels of, of what you've tuned in terms of the catalog, it's actually parsing that information into these entities and intents that I just talked about. And then it's already understood and, and sort of crawled through your, the information in your instance to be able to try to link up these pieces of information and match you your specific utterance to what it thinks is the closest thing inside the platform. But it's not just that, you would have an opportunity because AI search will have the capability to do what's called federated searches. So it can be configured so that you have these spokes that go from the ServiceNow platform to external systems, and it can actually build a search and a catalog for you across your entire enterprise, as opposed to just searching inside the platform.
0: Ooh, that sounds intriguing. I did not know about the federated search part. So you could hook it up to, say, SharePoint. You can. oh very nice yeah uh, I, I I knew it was smart to give you more of that consumer <laughs> Google like interface but I did not know it was searching across other things
1: it, it can and I mean if if you're thinking about approaching AI search I mean I, I would start with the search inside the platform and get familiar yeah. with the, the pieces and how it works understanding that you are potentially going to want to scale that out to bring in those those federated pieces and to provide that experience where you know, we're, we're the platform of platforms. service now, right? Absolutely. The the information and the search across all those systems, just like you can use something like Integration Hub to get to those other systems, it just continues to advance and make that message more and more true.
0: Does that require an agent or how does that federated search uh, work across the systems?
1: So um, I will be the first to admit that I haven't poked at the specific details (laughs) of how it all works together, but my understanding is that there is back-end quote-unquote spokes. And I honestly don't know if it's, it is, if it's related to the integration hub spoke or if it's own separate connector and spoke, and maybe that's something that we can come back and talk about a different time. Um, but but basically, you configure those spokes into the end system, and it's I think it's going to pull metadata back into the system so that it understands what the, the enterprise catalog looks like and, and how to parse that information in a meaningful way.
0: And if I understand right, AI search is not just available on the desktop, but we've got it exposed in mobile as well. That is Correct.
1: Yes, it is a platform feature that's available to the, all the different experiences that we have.
0: Are there any other uh, upcoming Quebec features that you're excited about?
1: So there's there's some that I want to call up that aren't necessarily Quebec at this point. They, they were Paris, but I think it's worth calling out in, in, in this umbrella. And that is the ability to integrate integration hub, sorry, integrate Flow Designer with our machine learning backend. And so for folks that are, familiar with some of the now intelligence capabilities you know that we have performance analytics that you point at custom tables as we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast we have predictive intelligence where you can set up uh classification and similarity through the the tools that we have we have nlu like we talked about but what happens if i'm a developer and i want to query the machine in order to get an answer and make a decision based upon that right Right now, the tools that we have are more about presenting to a user and allowing a user to gain insight into a process and then take action. Well, something that was released in Paris was an integration between Flow Designer and our machine learning platform. And there, I believe there's an action right within Flow Designer that allows you to say, based upon the inputs from my flow, go query the machine get an answer based upon these algorithms that you have set up and how the machine is trained and then when you get the answer back you can continue processing on that flow and flow designer and then create automated actions behind it so it's it's the opportunity for us to not require a human in the process in your development Mm -hmm. cycle to be able to leverage the inside of the machine right in what you're doing and drive actions and outcomes it's a little scary
0: it, right? I was going to say, <laughs> as "scary" is as the word that I would have used. It, it also squishy, because you know when you think about writing a flow, it's very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. If this happened, then go down this path. Or for every record you find, go do this. Yeah. And now we're saying, go get something, and I'm not sure what you're coming back with. <laughs>
1: well, and, and that's it, I, so. There's there's two aspects of this, right? There's there's the human aspect of, and we get into a bit into you know the the ethical side of the argument and saying. How much do I trust the machine and should the the machine actually do all of these things for me without human intervention, human interaction? But we'll we'll just leave that topic to the side right now. Um, But I think it's important for us as developers and integrating these types of services and capabilities into our applications to, to at least understand what the bounds of that result is and then having the right decision trees behind it to say that all right, if this is outside of this bound, then go route it to a human because something is not right. So we we can we can build these boxes that says, if the machine falls in here, then do the things that we expect it to do based upon normal logic. But if I get a response that I'm not expecting based upon my business context or what it is that I'm trying to, to do, then go route it someplace else. And that's the beauty of Flow Designer as well, right? Is because you, you can handle that exception and get it to the right place and drive that human review as necessary.
0: So what words of wisdom would you have for developers who are looking to add value to their position? How do they spot these opportunities where where intelligence could help out the organization or solve the problem?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. And I, I want to make sure that I position this in, in the right way here. Um, things that are, I, I think going back to your comment about putting yourself in the shoes of the people that you're serving with your application right Mm -hmm. we're trying to drive business outcomes here and if you ask questions about your stakeholder and with your stakeholder and you figure out what it is that they're trying to accomplish you might ask questions like what are the most tedious parts of your process what causes you a lot of time or pain or what are the things that you don't like to do um, and then in light of that conversation, if you can identify things that tend to be very repetitive, things that require, you know, basic categorization or classification that you can then automate very quickly, that I think are some of, those are some of the things that machine learning can do for you in your development process very very easily. I'm going to use the example in incident management, and I know it's an overused example, but this, this whole idea of taking in a request, and then having somebody look at that to say, hey, this incident goes to this category. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, a very basic thing, right? It's very easy to set up something similar because you know our applications are workflow applications. You're going to build workflow into it. And at some point, you're likely to have an intake and there needs to be a decision point. And if that decision point really doesn't require a human eye or human intervention, if you've got a body of records that allows you to Let the machine make that decision for you. I think those are great opportunities to start introducing it and don't let the machine get ahead of you. And what I mean by that is in this case where you say, all right, I'm going to auto categorize this, whatever my workflow is, start by saying, um, you know, create a second field to put the machine result in there get a level of comfort within your application to know that the machine is making the right recommendations before you actually you know flip it on and allow it to do the things that you want it to do within the application. So to just to recap, I know that was a long answer. So one look for those those key automation opportunities that are repetitive, especially in at decision points in your process, but then introduce the machine lightly, look for the results, gain the trust and then go ahead and, and turn it on.
0: On on a similar note, you you've been around since before performance analytics, you know, you started in early 2013. I think our acquisition of mirror 42 is about mid 2013. That's correct. Uh, so you've seen quite a bit of evolution of the platform mm-hmm. along with uh, many others. So you're, you're older than you'd like to admit. <laughs> <laughs> <I am. laughs> the, uh, at least in service now dog years, yes. the, um, uh, the thing that I've noticed is it, there was a time when, you know, people, still claim i know everything about service now but i don't i don't and you can't uh it's it's really we're we're going from this kind of system of record system of workflow and the the intelligence the investment we've made in intelligence over the last few years is really stepped up that game what are what are your thoughts on on where it's going to the as a platform and and how that impacts the the developers that are just getting into the ecosystem now
1: Yep. So I, I think it's important to discuss the, the philosophy of AI at ServiceNow and our, our investments to make an intelligent platform or, or whatever you like to call it is not so that we can be an AI service provider in the enterprise. It's about mm-hmm. making workflows smarter. It's about making workflows faster. And our frameworks and the algorithms and the things that we come up with are meant to drive the solutions that are built on the platform whether that's a solution that is created by ServiceNow or a solution that is developed by one of our developers, by one of our customers, et cetera. So I I think understanding that first helps you understand where, where the vision is, meaning whenever we get a new technology for AI, whenever we develop a new algorithm, The way that that's going to be surfaced is in the context of an application. Yep. There's going to be APIs and things that you can link into, but I think it's important to, to really say, okay, what does this do for my workflow and how can I make it and integrate it into my workflow? The for developers and people who are, who are just getting into service now, right now, I think it gives people a very exciting new aspect to processing data. And this goes back to my unstructured versus structured comment before, whereas, the old way of doing things, I had to make sure that my data were structured so I could get it into re, into a report, so I can get it into performance analytics. I can do these, these different kinds of things. Now I have a lot more flexibility, so I can capture more things in in unstructured text fields and process them process them in meaningful ways to be able to drive insight. Here's here's a very simple example. Actually, I, you know, Chuck, you're going to be impressed. I built a demo system. Myself, just recently um, mm. <laughs> on, on Quebec. Yes, I, I, I yeah. built an application myself with some of our low code capabilities because I don't pretend to be a pro coder. But I I envisioned a a uh, customer that was doing apartment rental applications. So when I put myself in the context of a consumer, I, English might be my first language. English might not be my first language. Mm -hmm. And so within that application, I provided a field that I could, I called it additional comments just for demo purposes. And I could type any language in there, any string that I want in there, and we could dynamically translate that string and present it to my property manager persona so that we can drive a better experience. Because if the property manager looked at this application, even though it's filled out properly, but then they see additional comments in a different language. I can provide what language that person speaks, and I can provide a translation of it. You know, probably ninety-five percent accuracy, knowing all those you know translation services that are out there. But I'm, as an application developer, here's an experience that I wasn't able to drive before, and, it, you know, going back to my first comment, it makes life better because I'm I'm connecting people, I'm connecting personas through this application. Through these capabilities that we have with our with our machine learning and and not uh, artificial intelligence engine now
0: well, where was that when i was a service desk manager I, <laughs> we were copying and pasting things into google translate because mm-hmm. you know the, the person who spoke malaysian wasn't in the office that morning it was just it was crazy stuff and i mean the the few times we actually had to use it and we were interacting with somebody in spanish for example they appreciated it greatly. So now it just reduces that barrier. It makes their experience better. They want to engage the help desk or customer service or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's awesome. Yeah. I, wanna, I, I like your comment about you know what is it and how can it improve my workflow? Because every release that we go through, I am personally vested in learning as much as I can about that release and the platform capabilities. And I look at every one of those in the context of existing applications that I've got. Yeah. whether it's managing the webinars or publishing podcasts or managing our budget that uh, we do for the marketing team yeah. anything that I've built I look at it's a bit like going to the uh, uh the home improvement store and as you're browsing around you go oh those colored light bulbs would look really good on my front porch <laughs> you know? and, and you start spending money in your head yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or I you know I didn't think I needed a new toilet seat but they're on sale. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yep. You can be a kid in the candy store. I mean, if we, if we, if we use some of those, those adages, um, because these capabilities, the limit is your creativity in -hmm. some sense. The, the limit is, is just your imagination because you, you can work with your stakeholders to imagine these experiences and the experience can be a, Portal. The experience can be a mobile, the experience can be, can be a workspace, it can be listened. I mean, you, we know the experiences that are available, but we can now embed these additional things that just make the experience better. And, you know, like I said, I, I sat down and just said, well, what would I want in, in this? And stakeholders have a lot of information about what kind of experiences that they want to drive. So, you know, these sessions is just asking questions and, and, and sort of dreaming big about what this application can be you know, it helps you to figure out how you can use these capabilities in a meaningful type of way.
0: And I will say that nothing is off limits. And, and when we say experience, a lot of people think of a user interacting with the the system. It might be system to system experience that's mm-hmm. making that better. If, right. if you've got an integration or you've got a, a workflow that's happening behind the scenes, like, you know what? All I did is I took this thing and I ran a scheduled job and now people love it. Yeah. Like, so they don't have to come and yeah. get it manually making things a little more proactive. Think about when when you order something from Amazon yep. and the shipment might be delayed or the, it's out of stock or they tell you, you don't have to sit there and wonder, where's my shipment? Yep. I've, I've got some equipment on order from another vendor and they haven't done that for me and I'm getting really antsy. It's
1: like, <laughs> where's my TV cart? <laughs> well, no, and I, I, think, I think that's a really interesting example because You know, going back to your your question about, you know, what kind of services do we provide with respect to machine learning? You know, that that when I hear that, I think of we would call it a regression algorithm, right? Which is. Your shipments delayed, can I potentially set you an expectation of when that shipment will be here? And I can either go and try to query the provider. I can try to query the, the logistics company, et cetera. Another thing that I can do is I can potentially look at all of my past records with a similar type of profile and say, these things that were delayed were delayed on average four days. That mm-hmm. That's like a a, it's a combination of clustering and regression, but I could potentially use the machine learning framework inside of ServiceNow in the future to be able to say, yeah, you, this was a disruption in the service that is being prior through the application. And if I want to attempt to reset expectations, like I can say, based upon prior experience. You'll get this in seven days or four days or whatever the machine returns. So, you know, another example of how when we start to think in some of these algorithms, we can drive some of those experiences that are are the nice touches that people have come to expect across the industry, consumerization.
0: That is an awesome segue because I was just about to touch on that. We do have that feature available now. And I remember when I used to build workflows for catalog items, you'd say, oh, it's about four days <laughs> to deliver this laptop or order this thing. You would give this rough estimate of of magnitude, but now with Quebec, we've got, is it called Regression Framework?
1: It's called the regre- Regression Framework. I'm not sure how many of the S- of the APIs are exposed okay. for us to do it in a custom application, but the framework is there. I'm so-
0: really curious as to what factors it's taking into account to do that. Is it purely historical delivery on some of these items, or is it looking at case workload and, oh, we've got major incidents to deal with and...
1: So true tr- to form, with with our uh, platform and our capabilities, you give it a data set to train, and okay. the the solutions that we have pre configured for for regression, um, the framework is there. The reason I say it's in the future, the framework is there. I'm not sure that we've surfaced a specific solution yet, but okay. the way that it will work is that you will you will point at a series of records that you will train the machine on and say. This is the data set that represents the information that I want you to be able to quote unquote predict based upon the regression framework. So just like with categorization, and similarity, you know, all these other algorithms, there will be ways for you to configure that data set and continue to train and retrain. So it it may be, um, you know, it, it may be records from your specific application, it may be records from the service catalog if you're if you're linking to the service catalog, you know, but that's the ultimate way of getting to it is that it will be a series, you know, a a data set that gets fed to the machine to be trained.
0: Okay. So it it is the traditional trained machine learning model that we're basing that those delivers off of. Excellent. Okay. Next question. I'm thinking directly of people like my son-in-law who he works for a partner. Uh, He's living in our guest house. So we just had a real fun (laughs) hour long geek session last night on service. Now Uh, I've got my CSA. What? additional skills or or paths could one take to get more involved with the intelligence side of service now
1: good question so so there are a series of uh trainings and micro certifications that are available on now learning so for for the structured data side i would absolutely absolutely recommend the performance analytics Mm -hmm. courses and there are a number of them and you can go as deep as you want you can get very very specialized in structured data with performance analytics And the reason that performance analytics would be very helpful around that structured side is not only to be able to drive those insights, but there are also capabilities inside of performance analytics that start to link to these machine learning capabilities, including things like KPI signals, um, which you can look up and and learn more about where uh, KPI signals is is detecting changes in the the process and allows people to reset baselines and, and know when there's a new stimulus in the service that they're providing. So performance analytics is one side. And then predictive intelligence and then virtual agent NLU are probably the other micro certifications that I would look at. Predictive intelligence focuses on specifically some of these algorithms like categorization and similarity and those pieces. And the VA NLU component is about driving chat box, chat bots and those um, discovering the utterances and the entities and intents. And how to configure a chatbot to do that but the great thing about learning va and nlu in that context is that you'll get more information about the nlu model builder and the nlu model builder will just become more and more important as more features take advantage of nlu inside of the platform
0: Yeah, you know, the, the intelligence space is really kind of greenfield right now there's there's a lot of people that can build you an app with tables and forms and whatnot but yeah, you know, if you really want to add some value, look at this intelligence stuff, people. It is it is it is badly needed in a lot of organizations and they are hungry to get it. So if you if you ramp up your skills in that area, you're making yourself more marketable. Yeah. So Heath, I know a number of these AI things are are pay-for products. Can you clarify where the the delineation is on some of these?
1: Yeah, and I know it can be a little bit confusing, so let me try to give the uh, the cliff notes version <laughs> of the capabilities that we have here. So reporting, part of the platform, it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, natural language query, which is integrated into the platform, into workspace, is free. AI search inside the platform itself, so if you're searching for results inside of ServiceNow, is free. Where we start to get into the fee structures is in what we call um, the predictive intelligence framework, Good. which are the... the Cat- classification, categorization, similarity types of things. NLU is a is a paid for fee thing. Performance analytics is a paid for fee, and and predictive intelligence and performance analytics are usually wrapped into what we call our pro skus. So if you have ITSM Pro, CSM Pro, when you purchase App Engine directly, that you get now intelligence included with that as well. the The last piece that we have is the federated AI search. Mm-hmm. Inside the platform, I mentioned AI search is free, but when you build these spokes that go out, there's going to be um, connection and transactional charges associated with that um, as well. So, you know, very powerful things. Just make sure that you understand the fee structure and what your entitlements are for you to be able to take advantage of these capabilities.
0: And do we still have the, the freemium model for PA where you can turn it on and watch your incidents with the, the eight given indicators?
1: so we have we have a few different things with pa so we we do have the the performance analytics for incident that you can turn on and watch it collect the benchmark technology in itsm and across other solutions where you opt in and then you can see your performance against industry geography those types of things that's all built on pa and that's free Mm -hmm. as well so lots of opportunity to look at that structured data inside your instance if you're using some of the other solutions from servicenow
0: and as always if you have questions about licensing talk to your account team talk to your account team any closing takeaways or thoughts before we uh, wrap this up
1: yes two two very important ones that i want to put out there in, in relation to your comment the the first is that it is a greenfield but don't don't be doing intelligence for the sake of doing intelligence make sure that it is connected to an outcome make sure that you're curious and make sure that you understand what the stakeholder wants and needs, because uh, otherwise you're just, you know, you're getting in there and you're, you're creating something that may or may not have the business applicability. And that's where people don't trust machines. So if it's, if it's aligned with what they want to do and the outcomes that they expect, they are more likely to start trusting this infrastructure that we have. And trust becomes very important in your practice of development, because when you, when you lose that trust in the machine, that people are going to say, well, I don't, I don't want that the other piece that's really important for machine learning specifically and everybody knows this already garbage in is garbage out Mm -hmm. you know this from reporting for those of you who play with performance analytics you know it from performance analytics it is amplified to the nth degree with machine learning Mm. if you have bad data in your system and you train the machine on that bad data that machine is going to make really bad decisions or really bad recommendations on your behalf. So make sure that you take the time, understand your data model, make it as clean and efficient as it can be. And that's really going to get you the that those leaps and that, that advancement that you're looking for in the artificial intelligence space.
0: Good advice. Did you write those down, listener? <laughs> if not, rewind, go play it again. <laughs> Well, thank you once again for joining us today, Heath. Before we go, how can the listener get in touch with you if they've got more questions and information?
1: Absolutely. So, um, I, I'm just going to put my my email address out there, and I'm I'm hoping to get a lot of contact. Heath.Ramsey at ServiceNow.com uh, is my email address. Uh, there's a you know I have a little presence on community. I have to say I'm I'm not as on there as much as say Chuck or another person on my team, Adam Stout, if you guys mm-hmm. are in the community and you, you know those names. Um, but if, if you did post something to me on community, I'd probably respond to that, but these days email seems to be the best way to get hold of me. And I'd love to hear from you.
0: Much appreciated. Thank you again, Heath. And thank you wonderful listener for joining us today. Don't forget to check out our other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu subscribe to this podcast and you can get it free automatically delivered to you there's some automation for you. <laughs> Thank you once again, Heath, and uh, everybody take care, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Chuck. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.